I think it's going to rain and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. All right. Hi. Yeah. Now it's morning. I know. Hi. You. Hello. Oh, we've got a male voice today. Uh, so, uh, are you nervous? Just a little bit. Why? I uh, don't normally record myself. I don't like the way I sound as that. I say the same thing and I dispatch. Yeah. So it goes into court. Oh, that's pretty important. I've heard myself <laughs> karaoke and it's not. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I've heard you karaoke. That'll be fun. Yeah. So, uh, can My you... favorite son. Introduce yourself. Well, uh, I'm Uncle Joe, right? Is that what we're going with? Hello. How are you? Good. Uh, This is my brother, mom's oldest. Favorite son. (laughs) (laughs) Only son. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. So I already feel like an asshole. Why? Oh, thank you for asking. There's a couple reasons. Because I've never had an open conversation with Joe about feelings. No. About it. Have no. you? Mm-mm. We've we've had conversations about other stuff, but not about this. Not like in-depth conversations no. specifically about mm-hmm. this. And so I already feel bad that we haven't talked about this before. Yeah, it's fine. Don't feel bad. <laughs> it's not okay. I fed him first. Oh, yeah. He ate downstairs. Mom <laughs> can't go without no, feeding us. that's it. my son. I need to feed him. <laughs> so anyway, there's that. But then I don't know if it's because you're a dude that we didn't talk about it. It's probably a big part of it. Yeah. And you're kind of a reserved person in general. So I think that also is a part of it. <laughs> so I Mostly. don't know about that, about the just because he's a guy. Because Well, I, he's agreed. I know, but I think he's agreeing it because that's, <laughs> I think he's agreeing because he normally that's what he does is he just he has our back. Of course. I mean, this is the older brother. He has a lot of weight on his shoulders because he's the oldest and he takes care of everybody. He's the only dude. But because he's a dude, I feel like that's why we didn't talk about this. So when you agreed to this, I was like, run. Let's before he changes his mind, because (laughs) (laughs) this isn't something uh, we haven't talked about. Good Lord. Shut up. I forgot the day. You're so dumb. (laughs) Um, so again, thank you for agreeing to do this. Try not to be nervous. It's just me and mom you're talking to, but I am nervous because I'm afraid of what I might hear hmm. and how, how deep you're going to go. She not, edits a lot of stuff too, so. I'm not that deep. It's fine. We'll be <laughs> Shut <okay>. up. <laughs> so if we can get started, I want to talk about, so you were the first to give mom a grandkid. So you became a parent before you became an uncle. Mm-hmm. So what were the differences in those experiences? Between being a parent and being an uncle. Yeah. Well, I could definitely say a majority of the difference is just how much you take stuff like super personal. I mean, as a parent, right? Well, as a guy parent, I imagine things are a lot different than being a mom. Why kudos, kudos to moms everywhere. Everything is just uh, a lot more personal when you're a mom. Uh, oh. As a guy, or like for me speaking, as me being a guy, learning that I was being a parent, I dedicated more time to work and making sure that everything was going to mm. be fine within the household as opposed to making sure that beating heart inside is growing and developing appropriately. Yeah. The focus is a little bit different. Yeah. So 
I mean, guy parent, definitely different. And then guy uncle perspective, 100% different because it's somebody else that needs to take care of it. But you're also still concerned in a big way as if it was your own. That's bloodline. You want to take yeah. care of it as much For sure. as you can, as you would. Yeah. If, if it was your own, but still different because it's not 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you feel a level of responsibility still for your niece and nephew? 100%. Yeah. Yep, it's there. I mean, you always are concerned. You always try to find out what's happening and see if there's anything that you can input or add to make a situation better if there's something that you yeah. can do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always. So your kids were how old when the baby was diagnosed? You'll have to help me with that one. Shoot. I don't remember. So if she was four. It was no. 2011. So your kids were born when? Three, six, and nine. When she was four. The other so your oldest was, was seven, eight. Five. Yeah. And five. And I can't yeah. do math. Young. Yeah. Young okay. happen. I was just okay. looking through pictures, too, to try to get a timeline yeah. for that to yeah. place it. And I couldn't based on how they looked. But I could say the youngest for sure was young. And even the oldest was still probably too young to three kids know what was happening. Okay, yeah. so you had your oldest who was old enough to know what was going on. Old enough to kind of yeah. to grasp it, but not fully understand it. I mean, yeah, I was how old was I, and I still fully didn't grasp the one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Shoot. Okay, so when so let's talk about you for a second. When the baby was diagnosed, how did you feel about that? What was going through your brain? Walk us through that moment. Can we back up a little first? Sure. Alrighty. So this wasn't, at least to my knowledge, my first experience with dealing with somebody close with cancer. Oh. Right? And I'm kind of surprised that mom didn't bring it up either. But... Shit. What are you going to tell us right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong here at all, but we had neighbors that we got kind of close to for a while. I think mom mentioned this. So, yeah, we had... Uh, a family that lived next to us, me being very young, and you, I think, being I too, too young. don't remember, but, yeah. But mom in this situation, too, also old enough, I think, to grasp maybe what was happening. We had a strong relationship with these people because we would, you know, join as kids, go to the pool, you know, hang out, and we'd uh, take turns picking each other up from school and getting back and forth and all this stuff. So they were babysitting over there hmm. or, you know, vice versa. We'd be watching them. I say we, but of course that's, you know, the older are watching the kids because yeah. I was young yeah, at yeah, that yeah. time. But that for us transitioned quickly and drastically when we heard news of a sickness. And I don't even remember a hundred percent everything that happened, but I could also say that I remember a lot of the darkness in that situation. You were was how it, old? I had to have been maybe nine, ten. Wow. Most likely. Wow. But uh, her name was Mary, right? Mar yeah. Marie. 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 So for us, uh, learning, was an about adult. It, learning about it, it was the mom in the situation. Okay. The very adult mom that was taking care of us sometimes, mm. right? Next thing that we knew after hearing that there was sickness was like the next thing that I can remember anyway was witnessing her having to walk around with bags on her side and Whoa. just being very ill and being very sick. And so more of that time as kids, we were spending it with our mother as yeah. opposed to them because we were trying to give them space, space. and allow them yeah. to you know take care of whatever it was that they needed to sure. as adults in right. the situation right. dealing with that sickness. I can also remember too the grief 
portion of it without even realizing that that's what I was dealing with was mm. grief. We had a session over there. And I'm not sure if that was our grandfather at the time who did it, but it was basically like one of those sessions where the adults came together and all of a sudden you were having a prayer session, mm. singing songs, trying to get everybody in a group to try to pray support. for this person. Yeah. Be that support. Yeah. And the only thing that I can remember other than just all the people that were there was just feeling the despair that was also in the room. Mm, it was very heavy. dark. It was very heavy. It was super thick in the air. Yeah. And I can actually remember sitting there and just like crying, not even understanding fully what it was that was happening, but just feeling how dark it was and how despairing everybody in that room was wow. for this person, for this disease. And you're so young it was very witnessing young. this. Yeah. Way to go, mom. Right? Taking That's him over there. <laughs> They were they were trying to do everything that was for support that was there. Yeah. So I'm surprised at how it impacted Joe. It's a memory. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a mom and you're seeing all this stuff going on, I already know what that means. I mean, at that time I knew what it Do you meant. remember all this that he's yes. saying? Yes. Oh. The 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 thing of it is though, you don't think of like for me, I wasn't trying to hide anything. They needed to know what was going on with their friends because mm. her kids were you know, Our ages. Yeah. 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 So I think I told you that even the oldest son named his first child after you. Well, I would too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you don't, as a mom, think of how that's going to impact your children. I felt like, oh, they're, they're so young. They're not even going to remember. So that just puts a whole layer yeah. on this so, experience. <laughs> but, Holy shit. So I didn't even think about like going to any kind of counseling with my kids or anything like that because I different thought, time though too. Yeah. Very different time. It was hundred percent. And I think I remember for like some of the discussion that you already had on here, mom talking about when you hear that word, when you hear that cancer word, how it automatically impacts it's such a super negative thing. Yeah. That's yeah. automatically for I mean, for me now, having that first experience and that being the immediate thing that happened because that wasn't a successful journey oh. that ended up bad. We basically watched this lady deteriorate and could oh. do absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. There's nothing. And I know you. he remembers the dreams because one of the things that she used to complain about is that nobody would help her clean them. Oh, no. Or they had somebody that would come like a hospice person but they yeah. weren't coming like every day oh. or something was going on so i read a book and learned how to do it and i would go over there but i'm not leaving my kids at home so mm. i would go down there and i think that's why you remember that because i remember trying to and that's awful because that's i was gonna say what's it like to hear that it impacted it your didn't son matter <laughs> at the time it didn't matter to me to me no it something had to get done this poor lady's suffering and i'm not i can't and oh, I could only I imagine their focus was trying to help in whatever way they could. Yeah. As does if I could everybody. relieve even just a little bit. And I'm sure it didn't relieve her pain, but her comfort. Yeah. Whoa. Right? Uh-huh. And one of the uh, things I remember happening while I was sitting there, you know, experiencing this. Yeah. Was the older brother, the older dude, came to me sitting in this chair, just wallowing in, you know, what I had found myself in which I didn't even 100% understand at the time. And he just kind of crept over my shoulder, looked at me and said, why are you crying? You know, not like in a, like in a mad way, but more like a, it shouldn't be you crying mm. kind of way. Like he had a, cause he had a really hard time with it. Yeah, oh yeah. He had like I can only really imagine older, older son, older brother, you're going to take that 
in a bad, bad way. And I don't think he was trying to like basically tell me don't or you shouldn't. But it was more like like a, as a male, like the don't? way that we all talk about it. Like this is my pain. Let me deal with it. Mm. Let it not be your kind of pain. That's how I interpreted it anyway. Okay. I mean, there were those kind of people. You know, there's very nice, very loving, if you will, and they you know embraced us as a family of their own too. Mm. And so. I mean, I can only imagine if I was big brother in that situation too. Like, you know, don't don't cry about it. We're working through this. We're trying to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that was sort of your first experience. Earliest that I can remember with. Yeah. And it impacted the diagnosis of your niece. Yes. A hundred percent. (laughs) Okay. Talk to us about that. Well, like you guys had mentioned before, when you hear the term, you hear the word, it's automatically a super negative thing. So grasping it when we heard that diagnosis was super hard because for us, it it meant already that negative thing. Mm. And so we had to, or I had to anyways, try to come at it in an approach and understand it in an approach where there's a possibility of things being better. Right. Mm. What everybody is trying to do is make it be a better situation. So without having done any of the research that, you know, was involved with it, without knowing anything, taking that at first, it's a super, I was, I mean, I could say I was already in that place again. It's almost like Mm. grieving just from the first part of hearing it. Okay. Yeah. Now, what do I do to move forward with it? Yeah. That's where it quickly has to transition there. Otherwise you find yourself wallowing in the dark, I guess. So yeah, I mean, hearing that and then beginning to do some of my own research or hearing what you guys were telling us it meant, right? Trying to just learn it, trying to absorb it, trying to stay positive with it in a world where the only thing I know is the negative portion yeah. of it. Yeah. How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm okay. So okay. far, I can feel myself like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I think I need to grab tissues? some of these already. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. And then, so the next thing for me, obviously, uh, as an uncle, I shouldn't say obviously, but as uncle, as, you know, brother in the situation, it's trying to figure out from you, besides the research, besides what that means, ultimately, is now, okay, well, how can I do anything to help the situation? How Mm -hmm. can I be a part of that positive movement? Even Mm -hmm. though initially my reaction is to, you know, feel negative, well, we're going to turn this around in a positive way because we have to. We're stronger than whatever negativity there is out there sure, right so let's sure. let's find a way to figure this out and make it be hopeful yeah and you're in this dealing with your own emotions about it obviously you have some historical background some experience that wasn't positive right and with cancer and you're now dealing uh, with that layer but now this layer of a child with cancer in your family but also you're navigating your relationship Right. So you have a wife and three kids. So while you're trying to manage those emotions with this cancer diagnosis, how are you also managing that within the family? Uh, As I think we kind of indicated earlier, my younger children, I don't think we're 100 percent understanding the potential impact of what sickness meant for them. It just possibly meant, you know, a trip to the doctor Mm. or something to that effect where it's like it's a it's an easy fix, right? Because that's all they know. Mom and dad don't let them get impacted to the point where it's going to be a constant trip to the doctor's office. Something's wrong. You go there one time and then everything's fixed. Everything's better. Yeah. Right. So we tried, I think initially to 
have it be just that. Like it just means mm. more than one trip, right? You're gonna have to go back a few times, but it's a it's a sick, and it's a sick that the doctors can make better, mm. right? I mean, that's the hopeful, positive approach that you try to give to yeah. anybody who doesn't understand the situation. I think our oldest at the time kind of knew based on what she learned from school, I think, because we didn't, had never talked too much about, you know, how bad sicknesses and stuff could get, but had an understanding that that wasn't a positive word for sure, and that there was a possibility of something bad coming of that. But we also, I think, had instilled into her keep the positive side up because we're looking not that way. We're not looking down. We're looking up, right? So, I mean, it's it's tough to, yeah. to try to put that in kids, and it's tough to try to explain something that they don't necessarily understand. Yeah. But, I mean, we were developing understanding as going through it as opposed to yeah. knowing how to just take what was happening. So Yeah, because it was a three and a half year journey. So as they got older, they started to grow in their level of comprehension of what was going on. Absolutely. And what kind of questions would you get? I got one that I'm probably going to cry and tell you about, but what kind of questions would they start asking? I don't know. One that got me the most, I would say, was probably my son asking me like, why is it her? You know, why is it my cousin? You know, and that one, you can't answer. You can't say anything. Tissues are out. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's weird, you know, and then it's, uh, I think I remember my middle one saying too, like, why not initially, right? But why is it still happening? Why is it like not fixed already. Yeah. Cause trips to the doctor at that age, it was like a shot or it was something you get medicine and you're better. Right. It was right. like, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the extent that they knew or understood. And for us going through that journey and them growing, I mean, a good portion of the time that Miss princess was in the hospital. So were they, you know, mm -hmm. in the waiting room. Oh yeah. There was times that uh, we didn't because just, we knew how much it was going to affect them. You still have a portion of you know, school and everything else that has to happen. But, you know, I mean, they, they kind of grew with it in a way. Yeah. You know, so one of, I don't remember where we were going, but it was her brother. I don't think she was in the car, but your oldest was with her cousin, which is about her same age. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, is the baby going to die? And I was like, um, we are doing everything possible to make sure she's okay. But like, I was, a, I was still an adult, but I was still felt like a child trying to answer a child. Like, I don't know how to answer that. But that was scary for me because I wasn't prepped to have those conversations. Right. We don't get a book, a how-to book on how to do any of this. Until you do it, you don't know how to do it. And I, that's how I felt in that position. I was just like, how am I supposed to answer this? But it was early on in the diagnosis, but it was gut-wrenching. Yeah, It sure. was like... And so to have to have those conversations, not having any skill set in that was right. difficult. And they're asking the same questions we were. Why her? Why us? Why this yeah. family? Yeah. 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 And definitely uh, when they ask it too, you're not prepared for it. There's Absolutely no not. Even as a parent, it's not like we were talking about it and then, hey, by the way, no, it was more just like a shot out of the blue. Yeah. Hey, why is this happening? Uh, you gosh, you got me off guard. I was not ready or prepared right. to answer this. But yeah, you try to take it in that like you said, respond in a way that presents hope. And you say, we're doing everything we can to ensure that that ultimate negative outcome does not happen. 
we're yeah. striving for the better. Right. Right. Ugh. You know, when it comes to uh, parenting, too, I can only imagine it's the same for a lot of things, but even the books aren't right. Yeah. You talk to yeah. any parent, uh, what do they tell you? It's, uh, I'm just going to try to be better than mine were. Mm. So it's like you learn from the wrong, right? Right. Yeah. Take steps forward from the, the wrong way. Yeah. Try to do the right way. Yeah. So through the cancer journey, they managed, you guys managed as best you can, staying hopeful, staying positive. But when we got to the point where we all got in the room, actually, let me back up a little bit. So let me just say that as an uncle and as a male, I felt like you were in a very similar position to males with having to work with trying to support and provide for your family. But why I wanted to mention this is because I felt like you and if not just you, your wife, and if not both of you, the kids too, would be at nearly every surgery, every hospital, something as best as you could. As best as we could. Yeah. yeah. Whenever we could. Yeah. Just to be support to you find yourself. Well, I shouldn't say you find yourself. I found myself in a very compromising position. First of all, let me just say how awesome it was to know that you right took time away from yourself and dedicated to being here it was something that i totally wish i could have done but having the responsibilities that i had just in no way could yeah so you you try to find different ways where you can apply yourself exactly. where you can be helpful or you yes. can do something yes so it was super awesome to know that you were going to be here consistently and offer what I would have wanted to. You're talking awesome. about me? Yes. For oh. you to be here and to be able to support in a way that, I mean, not a lot of people could, you know, it yeah. was amazing. It was yeah. amazing to have that support. It was amazing to know that I couldn't. And then therefore somebody was able to do that. It was yeah. awesome that she, you know, mom was here for that whole experience. Oh, and yeah. Everybody was offering as much as they could. Yeah. So I found myself in a position where I think I heard mom mentioning something about this before too, where it's like, you don't want to tread too hard. You don't want to mm -hmm. overstep any boundaries with anything, but yeah. you want to apply yourself wherever you can. Right. Um, That's a great way to say it. And it, the, if there was one thing that I was constantly battling with was knowing that as a parent, if it was my child, yes. I would want every waking moment to yes, myself absolutely and uh I, there's no way that me i mean feeling somewhat as an outsider but more so just uncle it's not my immediate my kid myself step back away and just let those moments happen yeah you know? yeah just don't interfere with it in any sort of way and it's probably dumb because i can only imagine you know there's probably times when you don't see because you're not there where support is needed yeah. where like maybe as an uncle i should have been there but at the same time like I said, with that parent mentality, right? every moment, just let that be. And if needed, if they'll call you, right? They'll call and say they need something from you. Just wait until that happens. Hospital visits for us was just one of the ways that we could apply, where yeah. we could actually just be there to support, say if they needed Amazing. something. I heard you guys talking about it. If you needed a toothpaste, if you needed a toothbrush. Yeah. You know, the first time that we were there, I can remember not having anything and then going, people are hungry, people are getting grumpy people are just waiting but ultimately what we're all doing there is just trying to be there for support yeah and then what we learned to do was kind of support each other 
and then still be there to be able to support in case we needed anything. Yeah, it's being present. I felt this also just being present. It was that it was challenging to support. Like you just sort of on the sidelines, right? And sort of waiting for that call for your play in the game to help out, right? And and I completely understand that. But what I appreciate most about you being here too is you provide the conflicting feelings with being a parent and an uncle, right? Like you are tending to your family, tending to your kids, while also trying to tend to your sister and your niece, right? And, right. and mom too, because mom needs, we're all there to support each other. And I think uh, we all needed support too. Yeah, absolutely. So that sort of leads me to, you know, when we were there in the hospital that last time, not the last time, but in LA the last time when they gave us the six months, you were there, right? With palliative care, you Mm -hmm. and the wife. What was that like for you? Gosh. Okay. So we had been through so much already up to that point. Yeah. And I want to say getting to that point, doing all the research and everything that you guys had offered and we, what we were being told by the doctors getting that call that day was already like, Oh no, it was not the thing you wanted to hear. I mean, we got phone calls for celebrations. Mm. We got phone calls for, you know, let's go to the park now because we got like the free and clear, you know, mm-hmm. let's go celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's that time to go celebrate. Yeah. And the circumstances as they were knowing that she was still in the hospital and getting that phone call, it was like, no, no way. I can say that I felt at that time like I had already reached like a grievance point, if you will. Mm. And it was before that. It was well before that. It was This was when the kids were still younger. And I want to say the first time, the first diagnosis was tough, right? We were still learning a lot. By the time we got the first free and clear, everything was super hopeful. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I can only imagine this sounds just like a roller coaster that oh yeah, most people go through. Yep. Then we got the second notice, the second notification that things were not being the way that they were supposed to be. Right. Right. That day, I can say I couldn't even drive home. Shit. I had to pull over and knowing what you guys had already learned, uh, hearing the numbers, you know, that was... Uh, that was the whole negative that I was trying to fight from the beginning. That one, uh, I'm pretty sure my wife saw it in my face when I came home, too. That, I think, was when, uh, excuse me, I grieved the most. It wasn't even that call at the doctor's office when it was time or when they were giving her the timeline, I should say. But it was, I mean, it was tough. It was equally as tough, but for us... I shouldn't say for us, for me anyways, I felt like I had already done that like pre-grieving that you were talking about. Mm. It was just like, you don't want to expect it. You don't want it to be yeah. a thing, but it's almost like you have to prepare yourself for it. Oh, yeah. I I can completely resonate with that. I And you say it so eloquently, but when she relapsed, I almost felt like the hope for that cure that they originally gave us was gone because it was like we're on this other path that we have no idea what those rates are and right. you know what the outcome will be and so it was a constant internal battle of wanting to stay hopeful and positive for my sister for the baby for the family but also internal for me I'm going there's something wrong there's something that that's why this isn't going the way it's supposed to go right and I don't know if 
I can honestly say that I had hope because I had so much negative behind it of this isn't, this isn't going to work out for us. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a, I mean, I could remember all the hopefuls and I heard it from the hope that the doctors try to give you or the nurses try right. to give you and they say stuff and it's, I mean, that's their, that's their duty. That's their job. You right. want to have that hope. You want to hear that from them. It just sucks when that gets crumbled away Yeah. by reality, yeah, I, I guess. We got the relapse. The first one, it took us to the other side. Now we're on the other side of the numbers. And right. even though as much as they can say, we knew what that meant mm -hmm. and that just broke me. Yeah. Yeah, that six month warning we got too didn't definitely didn't make it any better that it was uh, Christmas time. Yeah, we were there trying to uh, be hopeful and celebrate, and it was just like, man, here's a swift kick in the nuts for you. Mm. So you guys had you and the wife had to go tell the kids. Yeah, what was that like? I think kind of they had anticipated it too. The same really night that I kind of broke down was I mean it, you could see hurt in the whole family you yeah. know we all kind of crumbled that day too more so i mean but at the same time i can remember somebody somebody saying it, it could have been mom it could have been anybody really but just saying okay so we know how much time we have let's make the best of it yeah. for her yeah you yeah know? and that just i mean basically for me meant you know apply yourself when you can again you still have stuff that you have to do you still have to be there for the kids we have to make sure that they're going to be okay yeah. now you know and just work our way through it try to cope the best way we can and get through this portion of it and hopefully extend it as long as we can but make it the best well we can and what was so great about sort of this time period as horrible as that sounds is that your kids were a part of her happy at the end right like spending time with her cousins was what she wanted. She loved hanging out with the kids. I and, so, yeah. and I'm sure that was hard for you to witness. I know it was hard for me to witness going, these are the last times that these kids are going to spend together ever. Mm. But also trying to be in the moment of let's give her the best end of life we could. Right. Was the first time you're hearing a lot of this? No. You knew he broke down? Well, no, but I imagined. How can you not, right? I mean, it's at some point in time, realization of it. I think, uh, I mean, there's a large portion of everything that still happens now that's surreal. Right. I have, I don't know if I could say it's dreams or something, but I always have that feeling like when I walk through those front doors, she might just pop around a corner. Did you see the teacups? I did. <laughs> I saw the teacups. No, yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, being here and having this conversation almost feels still not real you know there's a good part of it that you have to deal with cope with i don't know it's tough it's not easy one of your questions for me was i think you know support i've never gotten any support from anybody except for you guys you know my wife supported me along the way i haven't talked to anybody professional about it you know is that a choice a little bit i mean a big portion of it is every time you delve into it every time you talk about it. I mean, you guys are wiping your tears now. It, it brings back, you know, it brings you back to it. And you can only see the world through two eyes. If you're dead behind those eyes, you're going to miss the life that's right in front of you. <sighs> you always say the best things. <laughs> like, but you, not the best things, but you say things in the best way that people like understand. Like, mm -hmm. and I, another reason why I'm just so glad you're here. <laughs> 
But I feel like talking about it, and this might just be because I'm female, more emotional about feelings. Mom and I talk about stuff like this all the time. But sure. for you to say that you haven't talked to anybody, I, and I ask if that's a choice, like, are you, would you would you talk to somebody? Like, is do you think it'd be helpful? Or Maybe, are you I sort mean, of just kind of like internalizing, don't want to relive it? No, I don't think it's a matter of, I mean, why would you want to relive it? I, I don't know well, if bringing... Uh, talking about it maybe takes me back to that point but I mean it's tough to talk about it it's tough to feel it again you know and it's it's not like really ever those feelings go away it's like you said you still there's moments that you run into where it's just like there it is again you Mm. know yeah I don't know I mean I I probably would I just usually try to devote my time to being positive and Mm -hmm. continuing to be my best foot moving forward Right. And sometimes I feel like, and I don't know if this is just a guy thing or a me thing, but sometimes I feel like if you dwell on it too much, you find yourself taking steps back. Yeah. I think sometimes talking about it, though, releases some of it. And I think that's why we're doing this podcast at the same time. I mean, I think that's why we went to all these counseling groups is just trying to find some kind of way to let some of that go it's release, not that you get release some of it release yeah it because it's so it's like... heavy you just you had mentioned it it comes and goes right so when it comes it's like how do you manage right. when it comes yeah. and i feel like like mom said talking about it but i think it just helps put it into words what it is that you're feeling and then you know letting it go and like i said it it's not like you get over anything yeah because it's yeah. not like it goes away we still lost her so it doesn't go away but it, I think it honors, I guess, our feelings and honors her and honors girl things. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like you said, I don't, I don't know if that's a a me thing or a dude thing, and maybe you guys resonate with that. But it's, yeah. it's not something that you don't just openly talk about it. I mean, see, even talking about, <laughs> but it even, is. I think you're uh, even talking about, to... like coming on the show. Like I told a couple of people, like you know, and. One of the guys that I was telling, which I was 100% surprised, he didn't know. Despite everything, like being around me, he still didn't know. And I guess it's like maybe just because I don't talk about it that much. So people, unless you bring it up, don't know. And it was just like one of those things. Oh, you're going to go uh, record for a podcast. Yeah, what podcast is it? Oh, I am a griefist. Uh, what's that about? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you be talking about that? Oh, because yeah. I had this experience. All of a sudden, it was brand new all yeah. over again. You know yeah. why? 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 And then it was just like, oof, that's kind of heavy. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how guys are. I was right? yeah, say that's, that's, that's that was the end of that conversation. Yeah, keep it moving. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear some some things from other guys that have said to guys well, see, stupid think, shit maybe because yeah, that could have been true. something stupid yeah could have been yeah, <laughs> yeah thankfully today, that person was cool smart to have like, yeah <laughs> it'd be cool to have a couple of them here talking yeah. together about what it is yeah, yeah. because steve's willing to do it too her um, husband yeah steve uh has gone with us to maybe a couple of counseling sessions have um, you been there when he's there no and what he shares is the idea that no matter what is going on, the bills still have to get paid. The insurance still has to be in place for this child to be, you know, seen. So they have to go to work. The men have to go to work. You don't get three and a half years of time off so you can handle this stuff. They don't do that. Yeah. So it's rough because it's still an expectation for you that you are going to get those bills paid as mm. a man. And 
it's rough because then you have like if you're the dad of that child, I feel like with your sister, then she's left alone if right. no one else is there. And so that's why what we did, because again, I have my husband, so he's going to keep going to work and continue to pay the bills. I was able to do that. And like with you, you have your husband that he's going to continue to work and he's going to continue to pay the bills so that if you had to take time off, but I think yeah. you didn't even take. Should I quit my job? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, bye. <laughs> yeah. So I, it, my husband and I have been through so much. And at that point we were both just like, we will make whatever happen. That's what work. my husband said. Yeah. Too. Whatever what you did. need to do, just do it. Yeah. Don't even. Yeah. So yeah. we moved but, and we quit our jobs. But see, but that's what we had, though, is OK. Yeah. But we have somebody. I know he's going to continue to. It's going to be rough. Yeah. Because, you know, I was helping out with some stuff, but he still did it and yeah. he was OK with it, I guess. I don't even know if it's if the OK is the word. I think it was more of a you got to do what you have to do. Don't even hesitate. Just do what you have to do. And I didn't worry about anything else. I didn't yeah. worry about yeah. bills. I didn't worry about it. So, but that's your worry as a male. I Roll. think you still have to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a matter of generality, I guess. There, I mean, stuff still has to get done. I mean, you always yeah. find a way, but I think that's a, I don't know, dad thing to do, I guess, is just make sure that it's still happening. Make sure that that, the basics, the foundation of everything still has to stand strong. Yeah. yeah. So are you open to talking about the day she passed? Uh, Sure. So we shared being in the hospital. I remember you guys getting there. But what when did you guys get there? After she passed or before she passed? We were in the lobby for a while. Oh, okay. We were in the lobby for a while. But I think you, the timeline, you were still on your way. Oh, so you beat me there. I don't know that 100% because... <laughs> Because there was so much of a shuffle with yeah. everything. And there yeah. was so much waiting. There was always so much waiting with everything. Yeah. And I don't think we even got the news immediately. Yeah. Like it wasn't come here because yeah. this happened. It was come here. And then it was, by the way, this happened. Who called you? Uh, we got messages. We got, we started getting messages first thing in the morning when we were trying to get the antibiotic or whatever medicine we needed in the morning. That's that right. Because mom had called your wife. Yes. Uh, because they didn't have the the prescription for her. Because I guess what they were expecting is that sooner or later she was going to start having seizures because of where the tumor, tumor had, yeah. had been. So when I got to the pharmacy part of the hospital, they said the order isn't in. Right. So I had to call the hospital. And in the meantime, I called your wife and, yeah you know, cried with her and told her this is like bullshit that I have to wait. And yeah. why isn't this thing ready? I don't understand what's going on. It has to be the oncologist that orders this type of medication. And he, she was in surgery. Right. So it was hurry up and wait. Yeah. And then I put her on hold to answer your phone call when you said, where are you? And I said, well, I'm still here. They didn't have it. And, and I go, what's going on? And you go, I'll tell you later. You didn't even tell me what had happened. I could first time. Yeah. So then I'm back with your wife and I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but this doesn't sound good. They just call me. And she's like, Carmen, it's OK. <laughs> it's OK. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, just, you know, just calm down. Don't drive. Just yeah. calm down first. Go inside. She just tried to talk me through calmly. Sure. And and I guess that's what I needed to to hear because she did exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. But. She was all a part of it. We already knew. And then once I called you again and you said 
she just had a seizure. I called her and said she just had a seizure. This I don't know what's happening, but so we were on. Everybody was on high alert to get to the hospital, yeah. and you were at work. It was a jumbled mess, and yes, I believe at the time I was at work, so I left. I can't even remember. I mean, so many trips to the hospital and everything. I can't even remember 100% if we ended up going in two separate vehicles or if I just met her there. But I do remember for this one, if I remember correctly, we actually left the kids because we had a filling already because something wasn't happening right. The way that the communication was coming through was already just a jumbled mess. And after our visits to the hospital... And not wanting to have the kids, you know, the older so ones. There. I think the two youngers were, yeah, no, that, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it just, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't good vibes. And I think at that time, for me, anyways, I'm not sure who else, and anyone else in my household, but for me, back at the hospital when they gave us that timeline, I was starting to watch the time. Mm. It was becoming a close reality to me every month that passed Mm -hmm. that that month was getting closer when something might happen. Yeah. So we started, I think, kind of anticipating our hospital trips and stuff like that to being, you know, without the kids, because what if this is that time? Yeah. And I don't look getting to the hospital. I don't think I wasn't there yet. I didn't have that information Mm. until I was there. Mm. What exactly was happening? And even then hearing it was just like, no way. Let me up there. Mm. What is happening right now? Let me up there to see. I want to see this for myself, you know. But everybody in that room was in that same position. We all just wanted to know. You said this, but really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. hundred percent. And so that was, that was uh, enduring. That was a long time, I think, just sitting there waiting to actually get up. And then when I got up into the room, still, she just looked like she was sleeping, yeah. you know, sleeping in mom's arms. And it was, it was tough to see. It was really hard to actually see it. But at the same time, super surreal, mm. super surreal, except for in that room, I don't think anybody was crying. In the lobby, people started to cry. But in that room, just seeing mom and daughter there, it just, it, it almost looked like a, a sweet embrace, if you will. It didn't seem like death was a portion of that room, even though it was. Very much so. So I don't know if we talked about that, but once we had our gotten the news in the waiting room, the family could go up and see her and they put her in a room and Jess was on laying with her on the bed and people were, were just coming through that were in the hospital. So I know that when we were in the hospital, we were actually told she was going to be okay and they were going to release They're her. So send her you home. guys left. Everybody was starting to go home. That's why it ended up being a phone call again hmm. or a text message that she had passed. And I can't even remember if I called you or if I texted that she had passed. Or... I don't know. It's it's know. a blur. It's it is it a was blur. All a big blur. It was but a big I think I was making phone calls. I think we were there. I think still. I was calling. I don't think we left. I mean, we might have walked away from the lobby initially, but we were still there. We oh, were okay. Yeah. To see what I was remember happening. your wife saying, "I just left. I just left." I remember hearing that. Yeah. Um, and I told her we didn't know. We didn't yeah. know. Even just didn't know. They they were releasing her. As far as I knew, they were releasing her. She was supposed her. to go home. So you have to go tell the kids. Yeah. 
well, not my older daughter. She was already there for it, so she kind of knew and understood, I think, what was happening, just based on everybody's reactions, you know. And she had her own, too, which I don't think immediately struck, but we saw it in her later on, you know, just as I think the full realization of everything comes to you, you know, came to her the same way. Not like an immediate sweep, but just uh, chips, kind of chips away at you. Yeah. And the other two, I think by this time, my middle child was a little bit older and had a stronger perception of life and death. But we had already been, you know, talking to her about it in bits and pieces as she was growing with it. Every trip to the hospital, you know, these are the kinds of things that could happen. So, you know, just kind of be prepared for it. And it, I mean, it's... As a parent, you almost don't want to tell your kids that oh, because you know it's going to hurt them. Absolutely. But, I mean, it, it's almost like they have to kind of be prepared for it, too. And she was old enough where she needed to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I could say the older and the middle one and the younger one now have actually gone to therapy, you know, oh. to talk about, you know, different things that may or may not be affecting them. Not necessarily just that specifically, but just things in their Still, lives. But that's a topic, yeah, you know, for great. them it is a topic, yes. So I didn't I mean, know that. <laughs> I did. He did. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, so they're, I mean, still going through it. My older daughter for sure had a counselor session within school where it was presented that, you know, the realization of it now is still affecting her in wow. ways, you know? So it's, it's from the first day to the last, it's still super impactful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for you, Joe, you talk about how your kids responded, but how did, how did you, did you have to keep your shit together while doing it? Like, was that work for you? A bit. Or for did me. you break down? A with bit them? for me. Like, like I said, my breakdown happened before. The grief portion of it had already happened before. Not to say that it, it didn't impact me then, because it did. It still hurt. But I felt like for that moment, I had to be watchful of everybody. Oh. I got to be watchful of my sister now who might need to call me for something. And if she can't handle it right now, then maybe I can support her in a way where somebody is or can, you know, we have all the support around us, but what if all of a sudden mom needs help with something or you need help with something? Cause if I remember correctly, you broke out of that room. You know? Yeah. Um, it was fight or flight for me and I was flying. <laughs> I was out. Yeah. So, um, for, for me, Immediately, I think I disallowed a lot of the the heartbreak to set in mm. because I wanted to make sure that everything else was going to be okay. Wow. When did it set in for you? I want to say like probably the first anniversary. Oh. Yeah, because mid, well, mean way, I'm still watching everybody. I'm still watching because how many people are impacted by this, you know? Yeah. I've got my kids that I'm watching out for too. And we're trying to look out for, you know, my nephew and we're trying to see what's happening within the household and everybody's going through all kinds of turmoil. So I, I really don't honestly believe that I felt the full brunt of it until the first anniversary. Wow. That's crazy. So basically you're putting everybody before yourself. I guess that's one way to say it. <laughs> but I mean, your own feelings about it. Right. I don't think it was deliberate. No, it was just more no. of like, I, I felt like a, like a, an alertness, if you yeah, will, where yeah. it's like you need to be there. You need to be focused. I completely understand. So, 
Wow. I think that's a good break point. How about we take a break? When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more how Uncle Joe is doing. Okay. Cool. All right. Thank you for joining us on our childhood cancer grief journey and sharing your grief with the griefist community. We will continue our grief journey on the next one. Thank you, kid. Love you.